Our economy is crashing. Inflation is out of control. Why are conservatives bad, Mommy? Because I thought we were supposed to conserve. <laughs> They'd actually breathe in my nostrils to make me move. Russia has joined with China. Okay. <laughs> the USA is a mess. This is not real. It's just a dream. Please, please wake up. Oh, a lot uh, happens in 24 hours, wouldn't you say? I was particularly amazed at the flooding from a dam that was blown up uh, somewhere in Ukraine, which has flooded an entire river village, and thousands and thousands of people uh, are basically running for their lives in, in a country that's already been completely devastated by war. And I, I, I don't get it often, but I had a, an opportunity yesterday where I could watch a good long presentation by the University of, uh, of Chicago professor John, uh, I believe his name is Mishmir. I, I think I have it here. Anyway, uh, in it, he goes into, uh, he goes into great depths explaining, and he's been studying war for 70 years, so he is a considered one of the, and in fact, he predicted that we there would be a war in Ukraine back in 2015, which was probably not, you know, hugely insightful, but the fact is that he predicted it and he knows a hell of a lot about stuff that is going on that I don't and the average person on the street doesn't. And he clearly does not have a, a, a singular bias. You don't get the feeling in listening to him that, you know, he cares that, you know, he doesn't have a dog in this race, you know, he doesn't have a horse in this race. He only looks at it from historical uh you know, impacts. And so he goes into in depth and I wish I had saved it. Now they've moved it over to the premium side <laughs> and I'm not paying. I hate paywalls. Uh, you know, you can splash me with all the commercials and videos and skip ad, uh, advert adver advertisements as, as you want, but I'm not paying anyway. So anyway, I, but I did listen to the whole thing and it was ran about an hour and 10 minutes. And just in summation, what he basically is saying about the Ukraine war and our involvement in it, and he looks at, at, at Russia's end goal, Ukraine's end goal, and America's end goal, and America connected to NATO. And he outlines the strategy of each of the country, what they want, and, and how we got to where we are today. And the outcome, and then he goes into a Q&A for about 20 minutes, and it's just it's some of the best analysis that I've heard about the Ukraine war, and I think that's why I enjoyed it. And it's Professor John Mirschmer, uh, again, who is a professor in Chicago, uh, University of Chicago. And so the bottom line is he predicts that Russia is not going to give up because they see NATO and the U.S. as an existential threat and that his in game at this point is he's going to regain the Donbass region, which is predominantly ethnic Russian. He's going to keep Crimea, but this doesn't mean that the U S isn't going to throw everything, but the kitchen sink at this war as they have done already. And they will continue to do for the foreseeable future uh, until we run out of weapons or we run out of money. And of course, Zelensky most desperately cannot afford to lose. So he's going to throw everything but the kitchen sink. So this is truly a war of attrition and this latest event with the dam. And, and, and the other side note is, 
and which I thought was an interesting, unique take from uh, uh, Mearsmere, is that he doesn't think that Russia wants Ukraine as a country. This is not about Russia expanding the Soviet empire once again. He wants a slice of it, he's going to get it, and he is also going to leave Ukraine in, in ruins. His goal is to leave uh, Ukraine as a dysfunctional little bitty state that nobody's going to care about when all this is over. And uh, the population uh, is, is gone. I mean, people have moved on. 5.8 million people now have, have left Ukraine. Uh, and the death rate is, at this point, five soldiers, Ukraine soldiers, for every one death of, of, uh, of Russian soldiers. And they have far more soldiers to fight. So, anyway, but he ended it with something that I thought was interesting. When he talked about, somebody had asked him, you know, about Biden and his and Biden, Biden's motivations. And here's what Professor John uh, Mearsmere had to say about that and the Ukraine war and how we got into all of this mess. The Biden administration could have prevented the war uh, by working out a deal with the Russians that uh, would have satisfied Russia's security concerns. We're simply unwilling to do that. Very important to understand that Joe Biden handled the Ukraine portfolio during the Obama administration. When he was vice president, he handled the Ukraine portfolio. And he was a super hawk on Ukraine. And when he came into the White House in January 2021, shortly thereafter, that's when the trouble started. Because what Biden did was he doubled down, right? And Zelensky, who was initially elected to work out a peace deal with the Russians and to shut down the conflict in the Donbass. Zelensky did a flip at the same time that Biden moved into the White House. Zelensky became deeply anti-Russian in early 2021, and he became deeply committed, which he hadn't been in the past, to bringing Ukraine into NATO. And I said from the very beginning, my observation was that that was the sticking point, NATO. Why was it so important to make NATO a, 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 a Ukraine a partner? And of course, this is what prompted or provoked uh, Putin to want to amass his troops at the border. He had said from the very beginning, I am not going to have NATO forces on my border with Ukraine, putting that, that much closer to Moscow. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm not, I'm not asserting that Putin had any, any right to invade Ukraine. But the point is, is, it could have been avoided and thousands of lives could have been saved. Tens of thousands of lives, maybe even hundreds of thousands of lives could be saved. But no one is willing to seek peace in this. And that's the frustrating thing. I guess we have an endless supply of money. According to Joe Biden, we can just spend whatever we want and throw billions and billions. Oh, and by the way, it was revealed... I believe yesterday, and I saw this, uh, Byron, Do Byron Donalds, our representative from the fine state of Florida, had an opportunity to speak with uh, Comey. And Comey revealed that there was another $5 million that was somehow funneled to the Biden family from Ukraine during the time that Biden was vice president. Did you hear me? Did you hear me right? Yeah, another $5 million came from Ukraine. We don't know why. Uh, we're trying to get to the bottom of it. And anyway, the, uh, the, the dam today is just absolutely devastating. And I'm sure that the, the death count is just going to spiral 
and continue to spiral until better minds prevail. Uh, uh, turning our attention, I want to also add that Robert Kennedy, sadly, is still being ostracized by the press and uh, still being... Uh, it's shameful to watch the Democrats devour their own. Oh, and by the way, Robert Kennedy will not ever win the presidency because his voice is crappy. He is the worst sounding voice I think I've ever heard in my life. I would love to teach that guy voice relaxation. I mean, he sounds like he's, he's a heavy smoker and I don't mean that to berate him, but I, I like the guy. I like everything about him. I could give a, 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 a damn about his so-called conspiracies. I don't think he had any conspiracies. I think he was right. Big Pharma is controlling the narrative on COVID and he's right to challenge them. We should all be challenging these corporate entities. You think they have our best interest at heart? Are you joking? Wake up. These people want you money. They see you as a battery, nothing else. You are a battery to them. You're either useful or you are not useful. And the sooner that you wake up and realize that, the happier you'll be. You'll be a free man or a free woman. And speaking of men and women, have you been noticing the fighting going on in North Hollywood? A bunch of parents are outraged at, at Satakoy Elementary School administrators who decided it was a great idea to have, uh, you know, Gay Pride Week in their school, elementary school. And so this is how it goes, people. There was a report that I saw on Newsmax earlier today. It was on one of those new news tickers, those chyrons that float across the bottom of the screen. And it's going off about how 71% of Americans are okay with gay marriage. Well, first of all, that issue was settled a long time ago. Nobody in this country gives a flying uh, farts ass about gay people getting married. We are so over that we could care less. That has nothing to do with what we're seeing now with this trans ideology and young children. Look, I get it. If you want to paint your hair purple and you want to make a statement and you want to prove that you're not, you know, you're not beholden to the rules and enforced on you by society. I get it. If you want to put a ring in your nose or if you have one, to metallic object hanging from your eyebrow. I get it. I grew up in the punk rock era. Now you want to talk about crazy. Those people were nuts, but you know, to each his own. But when you start messing with kids and wanting to mutilate or modify their bodies because they want to, because they have it in their head that it's something they want to do. Now you're crossing the line. You're crossing the line. When we come back, we'll talk about the CDC warning. Now, this is something that comes from the CDC about pride month and how it could spawn a massive, massive outbreak of monkeypox. We'll get to that in just a second. You're listening to Speaking Out America. I'm your host, JR, and we will continue in just a moment. Cast Channel. We'll be back, and we are on the CRN Talk Network, Monday through Friday, from 5 to 6 p.m. Pacific. And if you haven't noticed that with kids, doing something for the likes is more important than their own genitals, you haven't been paying attention. If you attend a small dinner party of typically very liberal upper-income Angelinos, it is not uncommon to hear parents who each have a trans kid having a conversation about that. What are the odds of that happening in Youngstown, Ohio? If this spike in trans children is all natural, why is it regional? Either Ohio is shaming them or California is creating them. If we can't admit that in certain enclaves there is some level of trendiness to the idea of being anything other than straight, then this is not a serious science-based discussion. It's a blow being struck in the culture wars using children as cannon fodder.
Welcome back to Speaking Out America. JR, your host. Got a comment line now that if you want to call and leave a comment or maybe a suggestion or, I don't know, if you want to order me some lunch, that would be fine too. Uh, The number is 941-800-2937, 941-800-2937. So is it dangerous? Do we live in dangerous times where we're not allowed to express our opinion about certain wars that we're involved with? It seemed to me that when I was growing up, it was politically expedient to be against the Vietnam War. Because, you know, in, in theory, we were there fighting communism, and that's what they told us. But we found out later, years later, that Bob McNamara made the whole thing up. Uh, look, the military-industrial complex, Dwight D. Eisenhower warned us about that in 1955. I mean, lest we forget, I mean, there's so much money to be made in war, but the casualties, you know, just in watching the, you know, the movie Saving Private Ryan, Yesterday Was D-Day. And you get a real glimpse of, of, of the travesty of war. Everything that I've ever seen about war movies, the theme is always the same. Why are we doing this? It's just, it's unbecoming of a truly progressive and enlightened species. We should not be doing this. Now, some people argue, look, there's evil in the world. There's right and wrong. And there's always going to be a force for good and a force for evil. I guess that's the, what's that, the Hegelian dialect. There's always good and bad and it's an eternal battle. I mean, it's it's in our religions as well. So, you know, it's frustrating for me to know this about humanity. Maybe we're, we're always destined to have war. I mean, it's politically expedient now to say that you're for uh, supporting Ukraine. Why? Because Russia is bad and Russia wants to dominate the world. But But what about America? America wants to dominate the world. And China, who do we want to dominate the world? Well, who says that anybody's going to dominate the world? I mean, we all sort of think about this for a moment and go, well, you know, Eventually, only one country will be in charge. Well, when has that ever happened? I mean, the closest we ever came was probably the British Empire or the Roman Empire, but they didn't last. Uh, In fact, I was reading a great article by, again, Simon Black, if you want to check it out on Zero Hedge, talking about what happened in Rome in the 5th century and how they became fat and lazy and they had other people doing their battles for them and they kept spending and spending and finally the Visigoths took them over because they just became too fat, too focused on personal pleasures, which I see a lot of now. And this is, I think, again, kind of going back to what I said about the issue that parents have. It's not about LGBTQ and about gay people getting married or having relationships. That's not how this narrative is going to go, but that's how they're trying to make it. There's a distinction that you make between, you know, accepting, you know, the LGBTQ community for their right to exist and not to be discriminated against. I think most people of moral character would agree with that. But now we're stepping into an area that no one is familiar with. And by the way, in England, in Sweden, and other countries, so-called progressive countries, they've also outlawed uh, youth, transgender, uh, gender-affirming surgery because they know that the devastating effects on these young people, it's too volatile at that age. There's no way that a nine-year-old could possibly make a decision, or a parent for that matter, about what they want to do to change their sex through medication, hormones, surgery. And other countries already know this. But for whatever reason in our country, probably because we're so driven by the big pharma industry, is that, that we're being blindsided by all this other stuff. And, and, and people are being called homophobes because they're against transgender surgery. 
you know, for a long time, the Lifetime Channel had a program called, what was it called? Uh, Being Jazz, I think that's what. And it was the, the I, can't, I didn't watch it, but it was a very popular show, and it came on about three years ago. So this was even before this trans cult thing really blew up. And, and it turned out that I think it was a boy who wanted to be a girl, Jazz. Or it could have been the other way around, doesn't matter. The point is, once the TV show was over and the cameras were off and the lights were off and everything was shut down, well, Jazz, it turns out, had regrets and decided that he, she wanted to be a she, he. And we don't know where that story is. You're not going to see that on Lifetime because that would go against the narrative. But we parents, we know that that's wrong and that teachers should not be inculcating children into questioning their sexual identity. That is not science. But people on the LGBTQ, they're picking up this fight because they think it's against them. And it's not against them. We've accepted, we've, we've gone way past this, not everybody, but most of us. Thank God the, the majority of people in the world see that, you know, if you love somebody else, that's your business. You're an adult. We respect that. But this thing about trans, that's what's making people nervous. And the sooner that the LGBTQ community understands this and gets on the right side of this history, because history is not going to look kindly upon this predilection of wanting to transsexualize our children long before they're even emotionally capable of dealing with it, much less living with it for the rest of their lives. Do you really want to take a woman who thinks she's a boy and turn off her ability to create children at a later age? I mean, don't you think that 9 years old or 11 years old or 14 years old is a little too soon to be making those kinds of lifelong decisions? What intelligent person would, de- would, would deny what I said is not true? But if you're driven by an ideology of affirmation uh, and gender care and all this other, and you've got all these ideologies bouncing around in your head, and that's what's motivating you. You're not thinking straightly. So so we'll put that to rest. But I just, uh, every day I see reports after reports after reports, and it's driving a wedge in our country. And it's wrong for the media to pick sides on this one. I don't, again, we talked about this yesterday as well. All those blood suckers in the media, they're just trying to boost their careers. And they're going to go with, with any narrative that's out there. But this is the wrong side of history. We're going to look back on this in 20 or 30 years And we're going to say that those people were savages, what they did to those children. And while we're on the subject and in that neighborhood, uh, this just came out uh, from Headline USA. Experts now are warning that pride events throughout the month of June could spawn a massive monkeypox outbreak. Oh, you remember monkeypox? It came out. It was about a year ago. It was all the rave. There was a couple of giant celebrations in, I think, Belgium. And uh, it, it, it spread fast, and it got all over people's skin. And it was, it was uh, uh, some uh, experts or physicians have said that they think maybe because of the vaccines and some compromised immune systems that this new monkeypox virus, because it had never really uh, extended beyond sub-Saharan Africa where it originally was discovered. But there was two rave events, and there were... Tens of thousands of LGBTQ just celebrating like there was no tomorrow. And then monkeypox spread all over the country and all over the world. And now the CDC is saying, hold on here, better be careful. CDC warning an uptick in monkeypox cases. By the way, they've now changed it to impox so that nobody gets offended. 
Well, you got mpox? No, I got monkeypox. Anyway, they said that uh, there's new upward swings in mid-April. Mpox, the preferred moniker, since monkeypox was canceled as racist by Biden uh, and other leftists, has remained relatively rare in the general population while persisting, persisting to cause concern for LGBTQ communities where transmission rates are the highest. And again, this kind of goes back to something that society learned a long time ago which is that when you have promiscuous behavior, you usually have diseases that spring up, you know, things like syphilis, venereal disease. I think Rome learned this lesson about 2,000 years ago. But for some reason, we just keep trying to play with nature uh, and acting like small children with guns in our hands. Be right back. Speaking out, America. So we know now why LGBTQ and advocacy has, has, has got its tendrils out everywhere. And you can't find a better example than the Girl Scouts. Now the Girl Scouts are, are advertising that they too are in on Pride Month. Uh, and again, it shows you how the LGBTQ advocacy is going after everybody to get them to wear the ribbon. You know, the metaphorical wearing the ribbon. Uh, and it's, it's just a shame. It's just a shame because we know now how they do it. And if you don't know, uh, there are, uh, there's a, there's a, the LGBTQ headquarters, I believe it's in Northern California, San Francisco, is uh, run by a couple of executives, one of whom is Kathy Griffith. Uh, you might remember Kathy, the comedian who got lambasted and lost her career, basically, for walking around with a, saying she wanted to behead Donald Trump and all that. And she came out recently saying that she suffers from deep depression. She's got a lot of problems, but one problem she doesn't have is she's found her, you know, her purpose in life, which is to radicalize and sexualize children and help push laws in California that protect pedophiles. And all of this is documented. You can find it. I'm not going to help you, but it's true. And so, you know, again, it's because of the extortion racket and it's because of the power of social media that these agencies are able to push and cram and force DEI and ESG and tolerance. And it's gone to, it's metastasized to a level now where even the EU is using the same strategy. Uh, this is why you have pride flags that are flying. And it, it, it's all about the, it's, it's really all about, are you wearing the ribbon? That's it. Well, are you wearing the ribbon? Are you compliant? This is the big thing now with all these advocacy groups, whether it's CRT, BLM, Antifa, the trans movement, the LGBTQ movement, forcing corporations to adapt and adopt and show their compliance and willing to wear that ribbon. It's all about wearing the ribbon, showing not only that you support, but you endorse. Not only do you honor, but you affirm. And uh, this is a Western thing. This is not happening in Africa. This is not, in, in many ways, it's only happening in America. So, uh, and this is, under any other circumstance, I would not be as concerned because most of my life, I have felt like, probably like you, that you've been tolerant, that we've been tolerant. We don't want to discriminate against people for making life choices. And I don't like to go on about it because it makes it sound like this show is all about that, and it's not. But it, it is the thing that grabs the headlines. And now there's divisiveness in the streets, and people are fighting about it. So... 
what else is going on in the world? So we already talked about the CDC warning everybody about monkeypox. You know, literally, if you want to interpret the headline, what it means is during Pride Month, there's going to be a lot of promiscuity within the gay community because that's what they're known for. And they want the freedom. They want liberty without license. So now the CDC is warning that there could be an explosion in monkeypox. Now, what would happen if this monkeypox did explode because of all this gay pride activity going on around the world? And what if the monkeypox mutated? Or what if it jumped and, and entered into the, the straight community? Whose fault will that be? See, see you know, there are, there's cause and effect. Liberty without license is ultimately suicidal. Every society has learned that, except ours. We seem to be hell-bent on this idea that, you know, we can just have the freedom to do whatever we want without being held accountable to anyone. And you've got the, uh, the government who's backing it up. Anyway, so Tucker Carlson made his debut. Yeah, he made his debut on Twitter. He talked for about 10 minutes, and he went through a whole litany of things. And I thought we would play a little bit of it. And it's good to see Tucker back in action. Hey, it's Tucker Carlson. This morning, it looks like somebody blew up the Kokovka Dam in southern Ukraine. The rushing wall of water wiped out entire villages, destroyed a critical hydropower plant, and as of tonight, puts the largest nuclear reactor in Europe in danger of melting down. So if this was intentional, it was not a military tactic. It was an act of terrorism. The question is, who did it? Well, let's see. The Kokovka Dam was effectively Russian. It was built by the Russian government. It currently sits in Russian-controlled territory. The dam's reservoir supplies water to Crimea, which has been, for the last 240 years, home of the Russian Black Sea Fleet. Blowing up the dam may be bad for Ukraine, but it hurts Russia more. And for precisely that reason, the Ukrainian government has considered destroying it. In December, the Washington Post quoted a Ukrainian general saying his men had fired American-made rockets at the dam's floodgate as a test strike. So really, once the facts start coming in, it becomes much less of a mystery what might have happened to the dam. Any fair person would conclude that the Ukrainians probably blew it up, just as you would assume they blew up Nord Stream, the Russian natural gas pipeline, last fall. And in fact, the Ukrainians did do that, as we now know. It's not like Vladimir Putin is anxious to wage war on himself. Oh, but that's where you're wrong, Mr. and Mrs. Cable News consumer. Vladimir Putin is exactly that sort of man, the sort of man who'd shoot himself to death in order to annoy you. We know this from the American media, which wasted no time this morning in accusing the Russians of sabotaging their own infrastructure. Bill Kristol, the man who once told us that Saddam Hussein was responsible for 9-11, immediately denounced Putin as a war criminal and even more savagely compared him to Donald Trump. The rest of the pundit class made similar clearly coordinated noises. Putin did it! Putin did it! And their reasoning was simple. Putin is evil, and evil people do evil things purely for the dark joy of being evil. In this specific case, Putin attacked himself, which is the most evil thing you can do, and therefore perfectly in character for a man that evil. That was their explanation. No one who's paid to cover these things seemed to entertain even the possibility it could have been the Ukrainians who did it. No chance of that. Ukraine, as you may have heard, is led by a man called Zelensky. And we can say for a dead certain fact that he was not involved. He couldn't have been. Zelensky is too decent for terrorism. 
Now, you see him on television, and it's true you might form a different impression. Sweaty and rat-like, a comedian turned oligarch, a persecutor of Christians, a friend of BlackRock. But don't believe your own eyes. Actually, Mr. Zelensky is a very good man. The best, really. As George W. Bush once noted, he is our generation's Winston Churchill. Of all the people in the world, our shifty, dead-eyed Ukrainian friend in the tracksuit is uniquely incapable of blowing up a dam. He's literally a living saint, a man in whom there is no sin. That's why Lindsey Graham is so attracted to him. They're just two good people, hanging out together and being good. And like all good people, when they meet in person, they spend a lot of time talking about killing people and laughing like friends do. Here's the pair last week. Free or die. Free or die. Now you are free. Yes. And we will be. And the Russians are dying. It's the best money we've ever spent. Thank you so much. Now it's... The Russians are dying. It's the best money we've ever spent. Grant. And that's, uh, of course, a clip from Tucker on Twitter. Now, it's interesting. I know that that thing got watched by millions of people and will continue. And it's opening up an, an avenue where we could see more of this kind of commentary if Twitter can maintain its position of being a truly free platform. But that remains to be seen. But it is good to hear Tucker. It, it's always good to hear an opposing view because it gets you to think and it gets you to unthink what you think is right because that's what the media has told you. And he touched on that with the Ukrainian war. There's only one position that you're allowed to take in the United States, which is that you are against Russia and you are pro Russian and you're not or Ukraine and you're not allowed to ask any questions. Let it, let the experts take care of this one. Uh, and they're marching us towards world war three. So, and, and again, you know, are other people, uh, everybody's invited on Twitter. Or, you know, so maybe Brian Stelter, maybe Rachel Maddow, maybe some of these other people will get on and, oh, they can't do that. They're, they're bought and sold by the, the corporate corporatocracy. They're not going to go against the narrative. And so we'll see how long Elon Musk can allow uh, this guy, Tucker, to be on that platform. But it was refreshing. Other news, uh, this comes... Actually, the guy who reviewed the new, have you heard about the new Apple headsets? Pretty cool, huh? This week, Apple unveiled the next big thing in tech, Vision Pro. It'll it'll cost you 3500 bucks. Uh, John Daniel Davidson, a great writer over at Epoch Times and also The Federalist, he wrote this. He says, Apple calls it the most advanced personal electronics device ever, which is true in more ways than one, especially the personal aspect. Put bluntly, Vision Pro appears to be nothing so much as an incredibly powerful isolation device. A means of immersing yourself in a sea of digital content in a way that physically cuts you off from other people and the real world. That is to say, the Vision Pro is precisely the kind of technology that will exponentially increase the isolation and immiseration of, uh, immiseration of everyone who uses it. It's been obvious for years now that the proliferation of digital tech is creating a populace that's addicted to smartphones, porn, and social media, and doing so in a social environment of ever-increasing isolation, anxiety, depression, deracination, and collapsing community. Whatever benefits there are to the digital tech, it is not at all clear that they outweigh the heavy human cause. And he's absolutely right on this one. 
uh, John Daniel Davidson giving his critique about this new headset. Imagine a day uh, someday, not in the far too distant future, where we're all basically just walking around with these with these contraptions on our head, not talking to each other. It's already that way with our smartphones. How many times have you walked anywhere, anywhere in public, and all you see are people staring into their smartphone? They don't talk to each other anymore. God, don't let this be the future. Saying, see you next time as we go out with Tina Turner.